And so when people reach out to me and say they miss me and they wish we could talk more, that makes me cringe. Because <laughs> then it makes me feel like they, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't relate to missing. Like, it weirds me out when they say that because I'm like, but I'm here and we're talking right now. How do you miss me? <laughs> what do you miss? <laughs> right? Like, what? Are you saying you're not getting enough from me? Like, I feel like you're trying to guilt trip me, but I know that's probably not what they're doing. You're here to hear. Tell your fives you miss them a lot. <laughs> so they can delete you from their lives. <laughs> Seven, sexual type with the uh, age five four. Hey, it's Nancy. I'm a self-pressed social three, wing four, and three six nine tri type. In the Enneagram world, five is like a cool type. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like it's a the type that everybody like thinks they are, or it's they're idealized. They, like, yeah, idealized. Or if anybody's a little bit smart, it's like they must be a five or. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and uh, it's funny because I suspect that just like for probably throughout uh, a five's life, fives have not been the cool ones, just like fours have not been the cool ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's an because, understatement. Because of that, it's like, you know, I think real important that we're, we're making some of these distinctions because people will sit through these like very advanced. Ingram Institute trainings for years and still think of five is like just a smart person mm-hmm. who reads a lot. Everybody She's... on Jeopardy. <laughs> Welcome to Big Hormone Enneagram. Today we're doing a call with uh, a pentagram, two fives, and uh, we're going to talk about type five. Five <laughs> is a, you know, is a mental type and they represent the insight, the fascination, the gift of concentration and a, and there's a visionary quality of type five and they're really able to break down complex subject matter very curious but uh one of the stereotypes in the enneagram field or world is that fives are just curious about everything and just absorbent of knowledge and um you know fives are generally very specific and so to help us out with five uh we have two very special fives rio and jamira uh you know take it away to introduce yourself Hi, I'm Rio. I'm a five wing six social sexual five nine three tri type. Hi, yeah. Um, my name is Jamira, and I've been invited because I've either a also typed as a five when I've completed a test on the matter, but also have been typed via John. But also, I'm an artist. And uh, what's a uh, wing and and instincts? John sexual social was it? Or, Do you mind me putting my input in, Jamira? Yeah, no, I'm. I, you know what? We'll have a conversation about it. All right. So I suspect that Jamira is a social sexual five mm-hmm. with a four wing, and I suspect that she is a tri type of five, four, and one. Mm. So knowing her in person, as I do, uh, she is very fourish for a five, uh, whereas I'm very fiveish for a four. So there's a lot of crossover type wise. I'm all. I'm also an artist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do like a lot of abstract, colorful weird shit psychedelic kind of can we find you guys' art anywhere um on my instagram which is instagram. share instagram for the folks slash instagram.com slash rio shane i have to make it so it's not private so Shamira, where can people find your art thank you um so yeah my uh my art is under my name my name's a really it's a little bit of a weird name so it's y-a-m-i-r-a surat s-e-r-r-e-t just my name, and uh, I also would say my art is really psychedelic. Uh, generally surreal, relating to matters of the mind, uh, psychological wanderings, using nature, things familiar, and surreal arrangements, in very technically um, displayed, um, composed ways. If to just like illustrate an idea that it's legible, like I want, I want the feel of things to be visceral, but I want people to kind of be able to kind of. As much as I want something to be intuitive, I want it to also um, ring 
somewhat screw in a familiar way. I guess I kind of like fucking with things that are slightly on the edge of the unknown and the, uh, the familiar, but I guess for people to see that they'll figure it out themselves. I, uh, having seen your art in person, like, you know, you can see it online and it's a different experience like any art, I think, but, uh, it, it's it's kind of not quite kaleidoscopic, but there's a there's a way in which like like I'm thinking of the bird one for example, mm. where you're looking at a bird, but you're also sort of looking at uh, the forces of birdness and the physics of bird, and then there, there's just sort of this way that you're looking at multiple levels of a thing at the same time. Yeah, I like to think about things prismatically. I like to imagine that there's different vantage points through which to actually feel a subject if you're viewing it. Like you can you can draw a bird, but what is like a bird, or what is what is associations thereof? I think it's good to kind of be very wide and broad than specific. Even if you are being specific, I think it's just if you have the ability, and if you're just like it's more fun to add more elements of apprehension that are a little bit more. Like I would I would say synesthetic or psychedelic, but I, you know that's just me speaking to my own scheme and. I, I I don't like to get too uh, in on my own mystique, I guess, without without uh, you know without revealing all. I guess uh, I appreciate the the interpretation. Of- so going off from that, like so so in the enneagram, uh, you know, like we said, there's a lot of stereotypes around five and what their perspective is. But uh, in my experience, the like or culturally speaking, I'd say that there's not a lot of prominent representation of the five point of view, um, which I think your uh, prismatic kind of um, the eye that penetrates layers that you're speaking to uh, is very underrepresented and not very well understood. You experience yourself as I mean, everybody has their own unique experience, but do you, how do you experience uh, both Rio and Jamira, how do you all experience your perspective that might be counter to um, either how five in general is understood or just how you have experienced yourself as maybe alien different or not from from kind of the uh, the popular modes of understanding or perception out there? Man, can you can you say it again? He's okay. he's trying to say or what he's trying to get across is or asking is how does your perception of yourself in relation to most people out there, how do you think you're different? Or how do you feel that the way you see the world is not understood by people who think they know what five is? I don't know. I want to say when I, specifically when I create my art, I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily trying to create it so it fits in a genre. I'm just trying to kind of do my own thing and explore and experiment. I usually have like an idea of how I want to begin it but then it's kind of like a journey while I'm creating it and it's a way for me to I guess basically express my emotions without having to be in my emotions if that makes sense like yeah that makes sense objectively (laughs) you said something about exploring or or experimenting Mm -hmm. um can you say more about that like I think that perspective maybe you don't realize it but that that's kind of a unique perspective to um your type what do you get out of experimenting and what is that doing for you changing like i'm changing like i'm becoming something different creating something different something i've never created before in a completely different way that no one else can do only i can do Mm -hmm. so one of the things that uh i always like nitpick about when people talk about five or trying to understand five is that um like I said before, it's not just I want to know everything or I'm very curious about everything, but I, I kind of think of the essential quality of five or like that thing that really gets them off is is seeing or discovering or having an insight that's completely fresh mm-hmm. and original. And it sounds like that's, that's something exactly that you're, can you say more about the feeling or the experience of it or what what you're what's the what's the kernel of understanding you're going for? Uh discovering something different about myself, like what I'm capable of. And it kind of changes how I see myself and the world. And this is more a question towards John. That almost sounds self-prezzy to me, um, like exploring what you're capable of. I don't know, maybe Rio, you can speak to this, but where do either of y'all think that comes from? I'd say it's being a competence. Okay. Like well, reaching I mean, that right. level of skill and mastery over my craft. Rio, do you have a sense of how different you are from the mainstream of how people 
think yes. or yeah, I mean, can you talk about that, about how you experience? She's unsure about that. Uh, yeah, can you uh, elaborate on that in any way, just mm-hmm. how different you are or how that shows up or what you feel about it or think about that or what's it like to be a freak? <laughs> I don't know. That's sounding cheesy. It does feel like being an alien, I guess. Um, feeling like I'm not meant for this world. But I also realized because of that, I have a unique perspective on things that no one else has. So, I mean, I guess I like to share that sometimes and see how people react. Do you have a intellectual arrogance or is it, do you have something, is that an aspect of the difference or how the difference shows up as a contrast or something? Um, yeah, I think people probably think I'm arrogant and rude and blunt and I'll just say things that are on my mind without realizing that it's gonna how it's gonna come across because I think being intellectually honest is more important than feelings. feelings yeah well here, here's an interesting question do you and this is for both of you um a sense I'm getting is that a lot of people for five assume that fives are the intellectual you know brainiac Einstein types and that's true to some degree but I'm I'm curious as to if either of you, do you view yourself as an intellectual? intellectual? Yeah. Yeah, I see myself as an intellectual <laughs> for sure. I think being verbal and heady allows mm-hmm. you clarity. And when you're working in the unknown and when you're working with yourself and being, when you're working with art and you're using your own insight as a matter of, of subject, it's like if your insight is the subject, then your clarity on the matter and your ability to just actually be critical, I think it's it's really important. And I think that I, I personally really resonate with the idea of being like a a, a sort of head based artist, mm-hmm. you know, regardless okay. of whether or not that like mm-hmm. puts me in a, a, a place or whatever. I think uh, I think that's like very relevant, at least in in my experience. But I, I think yes. Yes, and I actually went to an art high school, and I felt like a freak there too because I'm yep, 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 like an intellectual, <laughs> intellectual artist. People will come yep. up to me and be like, "Are you, are you an artist? You don't seem like one." Yep. So, so is it the sense that with uh, trying to be an artist that you felt like you needed to understand um, the craft and the practice to sort of get an, a handle on it, or no? Like what What was the what was what did you say to yourself or both of you like? this is what I need to do to, to do art? Um, well, for me, I don't just like doing art. I like doing a lot of different things. So for me okay. choosing what to major in for a career was a huge challenge. And I don't like, I didn't like the idea of being pigeonholed into one thing. And I didn't also didn't like the idea of using my art for like profit in a way that mm. helps benefit companies because I study graphic design and it just kind of made me feel it, it made me kind of not want to create art because I felt like everything had to be monetized and I just became kind of nihilistic and I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you mean like a, like a tool? You didn't want to be a tool? Yes, exactly. I realized they're yeah. all cogs in a machine and everything just has to be about making money and I didn't want to have a career because there's more life than just having a career and making money and I just rejected it. So A theme that is sort of coming up through this that I, I hear jimmy are resonating with and i don't mean to jump in but um there's a sense of there's no place in the world and like my dad's a i have a huge five wing and my dad's also a five and you know typically a lot of fives speak of this this sense of maybe they're useful in some way or they have something interesting or they have something to offer or they've got a perspective that if people understood that they would get a lot out of but generally that there's this Mm -hmm. sort of almost like a Cassandra quality, you know, the mythological figure who speaks and no one believes her or no one mm-hmm. sees her perspective. <laughs> There's this sort of, yeah. or, or like, I also think of um, Prometheus who like brings the fire, mm-hmm. uh, bring uh, the insight to people, but then is punished for it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Those kinds of metaphors uh, resonate with your experiences. I guess I've, I used to be really headstrong back when I was in school where I had to actually self-define because when you're in an environment with other people, you're not you're forced to have to develop a sense of well what am I as much as you don't want to have to put yourself into a place because I could be much rather satisfied 
on my own doing what I want to do and explore and investigate what I want to. But back then, um, yeah, it, it felt like, yeah, you can be useful or you can be good at something. And if you have something to say, hopefully it's relevant. And being in New York, I guess it's kind of like the, the struggle, the ever and the, and the romantic struggle. This goes far back. You could think of like just the, you know, literaturality or, or, or artists of any day. Actually, this is like, this is where we go to basically hole up and say and declare like, yeah, I, this is, I do my thing and I don't know. And this is, I literally will, my room or my studio is where I'm defined. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Like, uh, one of the things that, uh, I appreciate as, you know, so I always, I, I often joke that the Enneagram, if the Enneagram was a symbol of a person, that the the inner lines that go from eight and seven to five and they go from one and two to four are like the legs. And therefore the gap in the bottom of the Enneagram is the asshole of the Enneagram. <laughs> and that uh, one thing I appreciate Anal about- retentive. Sorry? Anal retentive. Well, one of it's it's just like where the shit goes. It's the the, the empty hole where all the shit the comes hole. out. And mm-hmm. um, the the contrast in nine is the beingness and the fullness. And so anyway, mm-hmm. um, one thing I respect about, and I mean, it's my bias because I'm down there, but of the asshole of the enneagram is that yeah. uh, there's there always feels like there's this choice between selling out or being true to you know, oneself, whatever that means, like whatever I'm interested Mm -hmm. in or whatever I think is important. And I feel like it's difficult, if not impossible for fours and fives to compromise their vision in a certain way. And I think especially vision is particularly a true, a a, a meaningful phrase for five. And and Jameer, earlier you uh, used the phrase working with the unknown or working in the unknown. And um, I was wondering if you could elaborate a little bit more on what that means for you. When one makes art, or at least for myself, like, I, I guess I struggled for a long time kind of trying to justify the whole enterprise. Like, what the fuck? Why? It's so, self, it's so self-satisfying. But to what end? And eventually you, you, you have to come up with these reasons. And I guess the further down you go in the rabbit hole of seeking a kind of like clarity and truth about why, I guess like the question is the why that is like the, uh, I guess for myself, when I think about confusion in a psychological way, like what brings me to a point of um, of a wall where I feel like I'm, I'm capable of enacting or I see the def- decimation of ego happen in front of me and I'm like, what the fuck? Like it, it becomes this quandary. Where it's like, how do I solve this shit? How do I make it beautiful? How do I make it approachable and digestible where it's not just miasma of, because miasma as much as that can be in it, worth sitting in with I, I I try to dig in for greater clarity I guess and I I will use I'm, I'm pretty I guess I like to be flexible I don't know if I have like a particular thrust but I like to think just like the human condition itself as as embodied through my own self as I experience it which is why I guess I've been looking into like mystical traditions and even just like medical abnormalities are just like the way in which like the human in, like the human as object in reality can try to discover itself. It, I think art is like an essay or can be of course poetry and is beautiful, but is like the most satisfying. It's so gratifying because for me personally, I am as technically gifted as to allow myself the ability to dream how to understand myself better. And I feel like, you know, I guess whatever the, the Socrates principle of knowing myself as a matter of like, you know, refining the, 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 the sort of your, it's like the sort of your mind or your being in the world. It's like, if I can, if I can just get a grip on myself or get a grip on this thing that is to be alive, there's something that is beautiful, like art. If there's like, there's, if there's some sort of like, even if it's like the cohesion of, Ooh, that feels good. That feels like more settled than a miasma of confusion for however romantic and beautiful as that is that it, it, my my particular thrust in the unknown is just like it's just like fucking annoying to be alive and you have to do something about it I'd rather do something beautiful and interesting and that's the most interesting question is the, the I guess like how do you solve annoying fucked up dark shit than make maybe something beautiful and maybe interesting enough for someone else to want to look at it too 
you have a beautifully said because uh you know your your two statements that were, that you've made just that really stuck out with me um the sort of the mind and the the human as an object in reality um when yep. you and your boyfriend kidnapped me and <laughs> chemicals uh, a couple weeks ago um i feel like the swords of our minds were uh penetrating uh upper echelons of like deep layers and um part of what came up i think for both of us in different ways um was the problem of the human as an object in reality is in the body and i was wondering if both of you could speak to your relationship to your body because knowing you both i know that you guys have very different um maybe not very different, but just like different approaches, I would say. As some of you may know, I, I love fitness and exercise physiology. Yeah, that's fucking weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, John, so weird. (laughs) Um, I I feel like, yeah, not many people have that combination of things. They like personality, behavior, art, fitness. I don't know. I feel like fitness is art. You're sculpting your body. What do you mean by fitness? Because I, I, I don't know you, so if you don't mind just uh, elaborating on that. Just, sure. Just, um, to know. just exercise in general and being in touch with your breath and your body and like pushing your heart rate to the max to get that endorphin rush. And you're a, you're a, um, a physical therapist of some kind, right? Or a trainer, right? Yes. Personal trainer and instructor. Wow. My dad is a, a is a five, and the five is often stereotyped. Now, you know, some fives are totally not in their bodies at all, but they're often stereotyped as like not being physical. Mm-hmm. And uh, but my dad is like dedicated to the gym, and that's where I get my yep. dedication to the gym from. And I find that some, for, at least from the five point of view, like there is this sort of fashioning the physical vessel aspect. Um, exactly. Yes. And then there's also this part where sometimes like a five suddenly just like gets it, like they just sort of understand like in a, in a visceral way, like the, the need to work the body. Mm-hmm. And it's that sense of like, like, you know, the fives want to get, or, you know, that the mind wants to get or understand or comprehend in a certain way, but it's more total than just a cognitive thing. And so like my dad apparently like, you know, at some point in his life just was like, I need to do this and just suddenly does it. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. suddenly, yeah, and like part of the beauty of it, I think that I see sometimes in my dad is he's very uh, focused and he's always preoccupied on what he's preoccupied with. But when something mm-hmm. new makes sense, it's like then everything else in his life can just adjust to that new, new illumination. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it seems like that's true in the body too. Yes, and isn't he the same tri type as me? Five nine three. Yeah. yeah, I see that with fives and music. It's like uh, there's fives. Mm-hmm. Uh, often fives get into particularly like heavy rhythmic music that's got, you know, a kind of mm-hmm. driving, it's, it's sort of like pounding you into your body. Mm-hmm. That resonates for me, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that's, yeah. Particularly right now. I mean, um, to go into the idea of the rhythmic or just like the pounding music, like I've particularly since moving to New York, it's a, it happens to be the case that, uh, Brooklyn is a, a nice nest egg for the like the deep underground experimental like grimy dirty techno scene mm-hmm. and to the extent that i've had either hand in making that kind of music or like experiencing it like i have like a deep devotion to like i like to call it body music because it really or like workout music almost it's like yeah. how do i feel <laughs> like can i like fight people right now can i fuck them up do i feel <laughs> fucked up mm-hmm. <laughs> like it, it it feels very much like yeah, it, it, like the rhythmic rhythmicness of it kind of feels like it's choreographing a kind of state of mind that then propels like a movement in me that's just like like very liberating, but very viscerally. So it's not like just like like ambient music can just hit hit me on a like psycho spiritual. I don't even have I could be kind of like droned out, dead. Like I don't have to be moving <laughs> for it to hit me on a really deep level. But but something like techno. Or even just like electro or other kinds of music, where it's just like where it's really relevant that there's like a, a sense of like the throbbing, the throbbingness, um, like that. That makes I, I'm kind of addicted to it, but that's just like that's just me. <laughs> as, yeah, as, it's, it's almost like a pulse. It's like the earth pulse, and you're feeling it in yourself, like a yeah. psychedelic experience. As a self-absorbed uh, narcissist, um, one of the things that I've mm-hmm. talked a lot about 
I think, especially in the last episode, because we recorded uh, just a few days ago, uh, a four episode, is the problem of the body and the problem or struggle the body represents. Because my experience that I, I always speak to is that it sort of feels like there's a, there's like a, I'm an image type feeling type as a four. So um, there's this sense that the body is out of sync with what I feel like to be a quote unquote true self or my, my real state. And that there's been this process of getting to be more at home in my body and get it to match my inner experience more and also be okay with the way it doesn't match. And so um, wondering if y'all have had as fives a similar experience of, you know, fives are a mental type and there's often a real identification with the mind. and from my experience of fives in my life, some navigate that disparity between body and mind better than others. And so, uh, you know, fitness and, 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 and that is one aspect of it, but what's, what had been the struggle or what's been the difficulty or what's been the existential situation it presents? The existential situation that the body presents? Yeah. This might be an Enneagram of the asshole or five <laughs> more of a relevant question, but I'm just curious. Or just like how have you ever felt disconnected from your body, and ha- is that yeah. something you felt that you had to deal with? Yeah. Yes. Thank yes. you, Emika, for don't... the translation. I know. I like. How I <laughs> um, well, for me, especially because I've I struggled with looking a certain way and my weight, and I was made fun of in my younger years for being chubby, and I always wanted to be considered attractive, so that was part of the reason I became obsessed with fitness. Um, also just knowing that I'm in a flesh body and it's just a vessel and I don't have control over certain situations and I could die at any moment. Um, I did have a near fatal bike crash several years ago that really presented me with that kind of existential threat of being in a peach, (laughs) feeling like I'm living in a peach (laughs) or a water balloon. And it just made me really aware of the fragility of life i guess so that the, made me want to exercise even more so i could at least be healthy and capable. not just to look good but yeah to be capable and have a higher quality of life while i am alive i guess i take my body for granted and i i can be self-described and have um i, I used to see my body as a means to accomplishing just whatever i wanted to do and then sometimes what you think you can or want is is in junction with what the body is actually capable of and my mo- my body presented flare-ups um inflammatory flare-ups hormonally um actually and in a way that actually completely um put my vanity on the table it was quite the conversation i had to begin to have where it's just like huh so i'm not just a fluid <laughs> you know, a streamline being of, of willpower and in, or, you know, willpower and opportunity. I am this flesh bag that I have to be responsible for. And my body reminded me of that in little episodes of disharmony, whether it be just like mishandling a birth control, which led to a cascade of just up and down balance of hormones, which, which, which is hilarious because my body began to speak to me because I guess I wasn't in communication with my body. I just, I didn't realize I had to be, I guess I, I was so, I was so up, up in my head. I was so up that I didn't realize there was a down and then there are various downstairs like levels of myself was like, Hey, fuck you. Hey, I'm going to let you know, by the way, here's this, like, here's the smell. You're depressed. Here's this pimple. You're fucking crazy. You need to go to sleep. Here's this thing. Like, you know, like, like, my my disconnect was a fight. Like I think I, I did, there's like a rift, and um, my body needed to scream at me if to join, if to help, if to hold hands again, or to mend a bridge. And then for for myself, um, I guess I I I dove into nutrition science, mm. and um, like I guess also meditation. Um, I guess and as subtle energy body work sort of, I guess, um, practices if to get a handle on myself that wasn't, because I, I guess I'm, I'm kind of phobic toward group situations. I, I don't like going to the gym, actually. I like being strong, but I don't like being around people generally. I don't, I don't know. Just like too many things come up. But for me, I guess I've, I've mended that disconnect via 
learning about why why the fact that I have an endocrine system. I didn't even realize I needed to care about that. And now <laughs> that's that's how I that's how that disconnect has been mended for me. But that disconnect has been present in a very deep dark reason. But that's another conversation. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think actually what you said reminded me of reminded me of when I injured my knee and that really made me that like forced me to listen to my body because I was so like gung-ho on exercising that I wasn't listening to my body and my aches and pains and the fact that I was overdoing it until I literally couldn't anymore and that, that made me really come to terms with with listening to my body and exercising to care for my body rather than just fighting like fighting against it fighting against you know gaining weight or whatever trying to reach my ideal fitness level and yeah so injuring my knee made me (laughs) kind of force me to do that I think I think for myself I actually just fundamentally have a sense of disconnect and maybe um disregard for like (laughs) the female I I have my own hang-ups about being a I guess a woman which is Mm -hmm. maybe why my body presents itself in very particularly feminine trauma tragedy scenarios (laughs) like oh let's warp your hormones let's warp how you look let's warp these things to remind you you're in a female body like let's remind you you're a fucking woman or to the degree that I identify as such like I have deep disconnect with even my, my <laughs> of like the the body I'm in as a matter of like sex yeah. but that's also oh, yeah. due to something separate so yeah. I guess like that also is kind of like the underlayer of that part of the conversation where the disconnect comes from because it's not just like Oh, I love I love the world so much. I don't remember my body. I'm like, oh, I want to get away from my body. Like, yeah. I love the world, and I don't want and I want to get away from my body. <laughs> no, I yeah, I, I, like, hate, I hate having a female body, but I wouldn't necessarily want a male body either. I like that's why I like androgyny. Ooh. Yeah, and I actually I, hate I I'm I hate my boobs. I hate having boobs. I don't want boobs. Oh, <laughs> well, I guess in the land of the the post human transhumanism, you could you could decide actually mm-hmm. like. You know, what is it, what is it to be in this form? Like, who's to say you need, you need to own it. Like, this is, this is not something you ask for at the end of the day. What's really interesting to me is that what you guys are saying about the body. And also we had this on the four call as well, uh, especially with John. Uh, Just a complete disconnect from the body is something that would be uncomfortable to a nine, for example, who's mm-hmm. identifying as five, because um, on a structural level, five is is so far in the head that that you guys are saying things that are very antagonistic about your yeah. bodies that completely goes against uh, what it means to be a body type. And I know, Rio, you said you, your boyfriend's a, a nine. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask you a question about like, the intensity of five. Another thing that's been standing out to me is that the way you guys are describing the things that you guys get into, it, it comes across very in, intensely focused. And um, what would you say are some of the differences between you and your boyfriend in general and during stress? Oh, like when we're in a group situation, he doesn't like it when I speak because I'm so blunt and negative. <laughs> so he has to tell me later. You said that Lecture wrong. Me. Mm-hmm. Would you consider yourself a negative person? No, I just consider myself realistic. <laughs> I feel that. Jamira's uh, partner is also a nine boy. Oh. oh maybe. 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 <laughs> He's Sorry. definitely a philosopher of the universe. Yes. I know what that means. <laughs> oh, yes. What would you, uh, what, can you answer the same question, Jamira? Like, what, what do you see as some of the differences between you and your boyfriend, whether or not he's a nine, but, um, and uh, in terms of negativity and uh, also how do you guys differ in when you guys are stressed out? Ooh, oh, boy. Um, well, I, I guess I'll speak, I'll speak about myself and then how we are together. Um, I guess uh, regarding the stress point, because I think that's the part that I picked up on, because there's, there's like a two part to that question. Um, oh yeah, I didn't answer the second part. I'll do that after. Maybe, we, maybe, maybe you should. I don't know. <laughs> like, what? Well, how about this? Like, so the first part of the question is, how is it to be? Maybe assuming my boyfriend is a nine with someone who is more body conscious. Is that the idea? Or just what you know? What are some of the differences that stand out to you? And I would assume that there are some points of friction between you and your boyfriend. So, in the way that you guys are, 
Um, so what stands out to you in terms of the differences between y'all? And he's going for, for contrast because, you know, uh, there's not a lot of great examples out there that people can relate to of how fives do deal with stress and conflict because there's not a lot of fives out there. Yeah. And secondly, there's a lot of nines that type as fives, like a lot of nine. So we're helping out the nines by like a making, lot showing, yeah. yeah, by showing how horrific five would be actually to a nine from an, as an internal well, I have an example once yeah. Shamir is done. No, no, please. If you have it immediately, I think just let's go organically about it. I don't care about order. <laughs> okay. So like if Danny and I get in a fight, he gets real, he doesn't speak to me at all. He'll just shut down. He won't tell me he's mad. I just have to know. I have to know exactly what I did wrong. <laughs> so I'll ask him and he won't tell me. And he just won't say anything and ignore me for a long time, for hours and hours. And then I'll have to, I, I don't give up. I'm like, okay, I need to know what the fuck's going on. So, you know, I'm trying to think of different things I can do or say to make him open up. Eventually I keep prodding and he'll tell me that he's upset, but he needs time. So I'm like, okay, I'll give you time. <laughs> and then um, eventually he'll, he'll open up and, and tell me, but it's just weird to me that he needs so much time to process things, to process his emotions and before he can tell me what I did wrong mm. <laughs> or what I said wrong. Whereas usually when I'm upset, I like to just get, I like to get it out and open right away. I like to talk about it right away so I can find a solution so it doesn't fester. And I don't know. It's just such a weird contrast compared to how nines deal with it. The big reason why he likes to take time is because he doesn't want to say something in the moment that'll be hurtful. That's why he needs to call He needs time to calm down. Um, I guess that's why he, he thinks uh, he probably thinks that you're way more blunt and mm-hmm. um, because you just say what's on your mind. I think when, when we were on the nine type nine, making nines great again, call um, <laughs> not David talked about how if you ask a nine, you know, what's going on, it doesn't mean that the nine is going to tell you right away. It's going to mm-hmm. be a process where you have to go back in there and keep asking and, and yep. that nines do a form of control where, where they're, where they're controlling the time and which means that they're just going to make you wait until they're good and ready to, yes to talk about the thing that they're, they're upset about. Yeah. Um, well, this is where we're different. I guess that was a matter of personality very particularly. Um, I am the consummate um, diplomat and cause I, been that I, I've been the self-described asshole person who will just kind of cut and eviscerate the opinionated judge. Uh, and I, I didn't like that face of mine back when that was relevant to how I was perceived. So I've worked a lot. At large, I've worked very hard in trying to be very, very careful with how to express my frustration or stress. My stress comes out as frustration, I guess. Then the stress, it's more like frustration. And when that happens, I guess I try, I, I try to suppress it in a lot of ways um, at first, if, uh, if on behalf of the other person, because when I speak, it can be very heavy or it can be very sharp. So I know that by experience and I don't like hurting people. I, I, I just try to be careful with how, because, um, you know, we're, we're very powerful. Everyone's powerful and everyone's psyche to the extent that we don't know, even just like etiquette, not even like the words you say, just how you say it, how quickly mm-hmm. you say it. I just, so I, at first, I actually just suppress a lot. So it might appear as though I'm withholding, but I, I, I'm actually just trying my best to be polite about how to express myself. And then when I, I do find a way to do that in an appropriate manner, as I try to kind of sneak in my ability to be very clear, when I am clear, I try to just talk it out. I try to, I like, I guess I, I try to, I'm very verbal in that sense. Like I try to de-stress. Or when I am stressed, I express it through words. And I, I think that could be very difficult because it's so, it can feel like hammering or heavy or it can create a vibe. It could just create like a whole scene. It's the, you set the stage when all of a sudden you start to, you know, you speak your words and whatnot. So when I get stressed out and I start to embody it because I'm trying to be polite, even though that's not how I would even do it to begin with, I would just kind of be like, what the fuck? And then whatever. Um, I think it, it becomes a clash, at least for my boyfriend and I, because I think he he's happy to talk about it, too. But I think he's quicker to do something which is 
I think maybe sensible on one hand, but also there's a point of disagreement. I guess you can always, you can feel stress and you can deal with the physiological response to it by maybe having some water and then also eating Mm -hmm. something. And so that's something that I know that my boyfriend will try to get me to do maybe even before or during the stress point, because he knows like that's going to bring it down a couple notches. But that'll inspire me because I'm like, no, if there's like a thing here, there's a principle and I need to fucking clear. And even though there's like a physical bodily like force that's like, you know, hyped up and stressed about it, there's like this mental thing that I, I pedestal, but I think it's very fair for him to say, hey, let's, let's, let's even this out. Let's make it as clear as possible so that it's not as aggressive as it needs to be Why you're feeling your way, because it could be compounded by other factors that are not even just how you think you feel about it. It's like how your body feels about it, which is really that's annoying. Very, that's very nine. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's, let's turn it down a notch. Let's, let's get your yeah. body feeling more comfortable. Uh, yeah. So that this, this thing that you have to say isn't, isn't like more as sharp as that sharp. Yeah. Let's yeah. blunt it a little bit. <laughs> but, let's but bring some actually, cream. Yeah. cream. Creaminess. <laughs> completely fair though because to, 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 to believe you're not like to believe that whatever you're saying isn't being affected by how your body feels is to be completely I think ignorant of how powerful the germs in our body and the fact that I have like I don't know like the our, fact that my back hormones. hurts yeah mm-hmm. all that the, the big hormone <laughs> <laughs> the, exactly. the other side of that though the critique though of the nine modality there is that that some of the truth can be blunted by doing that, mm-hmm. by calming everything down and taking out that sharpness, the specificity that that sharpness represents. Sometimes like the, 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 the ego strategy. Mm-hmm. And David is a, uh, as Jamira may or may not know, is nine. So speaking from a loaded gun. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Very it's kind of like, oh, we're you're upset right now. Let's talk about it tomorrow after we've had some yeah. sleep. Yeah. Yep. Comfortable. <laughs> You know, because what usually happens when you sleep it off, the emotion or whatever you felt in the moment isn't quite as strong. And it's like, well, we can maybe talk about it or maybe we never get around to talking about it because we just kind of forget. <laughs> and that's, and I mean, there's another time control thing yeah. right there. Yeah. We're putting it off. I mean, and, and blunting it definitely has its uses. So we're not trying sure. to shit on nines yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. We're just trying to get like unpack the the differences, yeah. the defenses, yeah. the differences and the different kinds of motivation usually when danny and i have disagreements is because i'm too detached emotionally Mm. or i'm not let's talk about that yeah that's or he'll get on my case for being too stingy like it's just not even something i'm thinking about he'll be like he'll be get into his lecture mode and he's like you know (laughs) (laughs) you know know, i was thinking about this the other day and i'm just like okay What are some examples of stingy, uh, uh, yeah, oh, detached things that he complains about? about? Oh uh, it's so cringy to talk about. Um, because I don't even realize it until he brings it up. Oh, just like not tipping enough on services or general spirit of givingness is not there. <laughs> yeah, or just not like when his mother stayed with us, I didn't like that. And like giving her money for certain things instead of, you know, giving me money, I guess. <laughs> I feel that. For, yeah, I, feel I get that. that. For folks listening, and for Jamira, who's newer to the Enneagram, that we've talked about this before, but just to just to put it out there, it's like uh, you know, each type has um, a, a passion, which is not like passion, like I love something, but passion like pathos, like suffering. And they the they share the names of the seven deadly sins plus two because they come from a similar from the same tradition. Um, so for the five, the passion is avarice. And avarice doesn't mean I'm greedy about money and material things. I mean, it can be, but generally speaking, um, there's a certain level of detachment that's present in, in fives a lot, especially emotional detachment and, and striving to be objective. But it, it extends to, um, you know, feeling like kind of like a unequipped to be in the world fully and and needing space mm-hmm. and time to be and to relax and to and resources and resources whether right. that's emotional resources or material or whatever 
I need to understand things first before I'm willing to speak on it or engage. But then also it can be this kind of um, preciousness, I think is how we talked about it, of yeah. uh, giving parts of myself away. And, and, and so does that resonate with you? Um, there's a Buddhist um, principle or expression, I think it's called poverty mind. And it's a sense of like, like there's not the not enough and that there's scarcity. Mm-hmm. And there's like mm-hmm. a very, it could feel existential and therefore feel very touchy or very like just a heightened sense of like, yeah, like maybe I have to prepare a lot more and therefore anxiety driven planning schemes, just like those thoughts that might encircle what you're describing. Cause that, that's the way that I relate to that. Um, I, I personally struggle or I'm working, rather I don't struggle. I'm working with a sense of the not enough. And I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I, I would have to, I would have to hear more because I, I, it's hard to speculate <laughs> myself in this particular way because it's so, it's such a, it's like my blind spot. It's just like this annoying place that is kind of the grab, it's like a gravitational pull to my, to my neuroses. And I don't know how to always hear, like see it. So hearing it is different than talking about it, but I, I, I appreciate hearing it. Has, has your boyfriend ever complained or pointed out any sort of, um, you know, detach, complain about your detachment or you complain about your unwillingness to give or anything like that? I want to, it's hard, it's really fucked up to say, but I want to be a person who seems selfless. Like I want to be that person. And the thing is, it scares me when people love me or want to hang out with me or think I'm cool or <laughs> like what? just like get something out of me like even this even this mm-hmm. podcast even this feels like I feel like I've I've either not earned it or I don't think I've done enough or that it's not complete or that I actually don't know that I've assessed that I need to be here it's like it's kind of like the sense of I'm really good at hiding myself and measuring how much you're supposed to give or something i i'm really bad i'm really good one-on-one because i'm like oh i see a person here i know what to do like i love this person there's so many good reasons to but then it's like then there's just names on a on a phone and there's names on a facebook and then there's names on instagram you're just like eh, i'll give them a link and i don't mean to say this like that i'm definitely not (laughs) (laughs) i'm not that aloof or that like i'm not uptight about it I guess I'm just, I just don't know. I'm afraid, I guess, to be so vulnerable as to assume that when I give, it's something that I want to. I guess it's hard to be fully surrendered to that moment of like the experience of being received is very, um, it's like very vulnerable. And I have my own reasons for like being uh, cautious about being vulnerable, but I actually desperately seek it because I need to be complete. I don't need to be like actually in my own fucking world. That's like, it's utterly like, it's, it's self-destructive to assume that you're self-sufficient and you're all, you know, all you need. That is completely, and you live in New York City and you're like, holy shit, I can't. <laughs> I am not <laughs> my own person, actually. I'm actually shared amongst everyone I love and that's scary because I don't know how to always give myself out appropriately I guess I'm not sure that I'm good at being in charge of how to give myself out I'm very stunted in that regard like physically I have a hard time recognizing I'm a physical body that can have desires and that's annoying obviously to people who are like what the are you, you know what are you, what are you talking about you my boyfriend's totally down for it and you're like a cool person what's wrong with you and I'm like I don't I don't know how to dome myself out because I don't even <laughs> that's kind of like yeah. so are you are you saying that you guys have been opening things up in your relationship or yeah sexually okay and you've been having an issue with that because it's not that easy for you to step out of yourself yeah or into yourself and into your body and your own yeah. natural sexual desire from the body yeah. yep yeah so my so that's hand psychedelics Woo-hoo, psychoactives they're really yeah. good Woo-hoo. <laughs> Rio, did you do you relate to that at all? Like, is I know you've talked about getting in some threesomes and shit like mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah, I've never had a hard time with being sexual. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Hello. <laughs> that's, um, I think that's the I divine fix. Yeah, I guess probably. Um, well, I was raised in a very strict Christian household, 
Um, so anything Same. involving sex was very taboo for me. And I liked that. It's like, oh, this is forbidden. Cool. Let's do it. Why is, <laughs> why is this discover. so forbidden? <laughs> the I used to be that way. <laughs> <laughs> the investigator, yeah. And I've been with Danny for 13 years now. And oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, we see how Emika feels An about aneurysm. this. <laughs> we're, we're seeing opportunities opening up. It's <laughs> like, oh my god, um, that's a, over a decade. Wow. Yeah, we've been Love through so much mind. together, though. We've been through so much together. Um, we almost actually broke up because oh, I, I was spending so much time working out. Oh, that's all that's I did. Right. I just worked out. Was obsessed with it. Can you and say again I, why you were obsessed about with working out, like? So I can feel like I'm in control. Okay. So I can feel attractive because I was made fun of and bullied for being overweight. And I guess it was just ingrained in me as at a young age to be thin. <laughs> to be thin is attractive. Um, it's something I've, I've overcome, though, through psychedelics and MDMA. I think that's helped a lot with my self-image and body dysmorphia. And also almost breaking up with Danny, I kind of had to realign my values and decide what I really wanted out of life and force me to become more in touch with my emotions. And I realized that I was in love with him and I didn't want to lose him. And then um, we had the opportunity to take psychedelics shortly after. And that really helped solidify our relationship. I feel like if you were dating a five woman, giving her a bouquet of psychedelics rather than flowers (laughs) or something, like the way to get to her heart. Yes, yeah. exactly. That's yeah. what did it. Here's a bunch what? of drugs. <laughs> Enjoy. So it's kind of interesting to me that both of you kind of had to have something happen to your physical body to rattle you out of, I guess, what would be your type structure. Um, do you think that having that one singular focus kind of was your type structure, or like, where do you think that's coming from? I don't know if that um, makes any sense. Well, for me, and with fitness and being in control, I realized that I was doing it for the wrong reasons. I was doing it. I was like fighting against myself, right? Mm-hmm. I was fighting against uh, this unknown force of my body. And I, I guess looking back, I also was fearful that I was going to end up like uh, my mom, who's had a lot of health problems and she's had a lot of surgeries on her back and she's always in pain. And I didn't want to be like that. I didn't want, I wanted to be prepared for any type of injury I wanted to be prepared you know in case I hurt myself again that I'd be resilient and strong and competent yes <laughs> gotcha something uh that's I find interesting that's often um not not ex- talked about explicitly with five I think or maybe it's in there but it's it's not always brought to the surface is my experience of being around fives. And like I said, my dad's a five. I have a lot of friends who are fives and uh, I have a lot of five myself is that there is an intense quality of, you could say focus or concentration. It's not always on a particular object, but there's always a sort of way that the the mind is engaged in a certain kind of at least inner concentration It's of some kind. I would like, and, and so like in my dad, the way I see it is that, um, you know, most of his life is about doing things that preserve his concentration. So he's busy all the time. Uh, he's very active. He doesn't like to be around people that often, but he's always uh, fixing things and taking things apart. And he's got collections and he's running around the the house and, and tinkering and he's self-preservation dominant. So that's part of it. But um, there's a way in which fives kind of live, in my experience, and tell me if I'm wrong, There's this there's this way they kind of live where what most people consider their like normal life or like just living, it's sort of like that's compartmentalized. And so it's like most of the five's life is like uh, somehow maintaining this focus or concentration or project or creativity or vision. And then sometimes they'll do things like, oh, now I have to be a human and (laughs) go to the store or have that conversation or check in with this person and, and do kind of human tasks so I can go back to the way I want to mm-hmm. be. And one of the ways that shows up, at least uh, in, in the, the living spaces I've been in with a lot of fives, is that it's like their, their living space is more of a laboratory or a creative studio or a workspace than it is like a place to live. And I'm not asking you about your house. I don't care. But like just is <laughs> that sense of living around, like, like trying to maintain that concentration or focus of some kind resonate? Yeah. Yes. 
<laughs> Bill, Bill Queens. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> you ask a five a question and they give you a one word answer. <laughs> Very precise. Yeah, it, you can see the differences in type just based on how they answer questions. <laughs> yeah. You know what was funny when we were on the call with the fours? I felt in the beginning of the call that they were, it's almost like they were watching themselves. Like, like, is it okay if I say this? Or mm -hmm. um, yeah. like, you know, just talking to you guys that we kind of have to pry answers. <laughs> uh -huh. Take a crowbar. I know, and sometimes I'll think of more to add afterwards. <laughs> well that's not a criticism because like you know yeah. it's just an interesting style because like what i what i like about five is either it's this very precise like way of speaking or it's like a it's like a spill and both are very interesting and yeah. and i think that dichotomy is really uh underappreciated in five you know it's like one of the stereotypes is that fives don't speak a lot and uh but if you hit something that they're interested in or fascinated by it's like then it becomes this whole planet mm -hmm. that you're taking to yeah. <laughs> they kidnap you. They kidnap you. Oh, I wanted to bring up more about the sexual thing because I think that's interesting that Jamira and I are, are different when it comes to our sexuality. Um, what are your thoughts on why that is? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I've always known that as bisexual, too. I mean, I didn't even know that's what it's called until I was older. But when I was younger, I knew I was attracted to all genders. So, I mean, one way to frame it is the tri-type stuff, you know. Sure. Nine, three is two attachment types. Mm. And to me, there's a... And then if you've got a six wing as well, then you've, in some sense, got all three uh, attachment types. And to me, there's kind of a quasi-libidinal connective quality there that maybe is a factor. Whereas Yeah, Jamira, and I also... Well, like the idea of experimenting sexually because it was so forbidden when I was growing up and it, people didn't even want to talk about sex, but we're sexual creatures. So I found that really bizarre. Yeah, the novelty then is part of it mm -hmm. from yeah. just the five piece alone. Yeah. I mean, speaking for myself, I would say when I got to college, I was pretty, um, I was very relieved and I didn't really give a shit. I was very explorative, but within the confines of a like wasty liberal arts college is very difficult actually to explore <laughs> at all anyway so that was like a very like stunted uh period where i was like oh i really want to but i can't and everyone i i, I would i guess i could self-describe vaguely sapiosexual where i like i think brilliance is really attractive but i also love beauty and that means i have really high standards at the end of the day and new york has availed me actually both those kinds of people but it wasn't of until standards. like, oh, oh no, like, ha, ha, ha. no, 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 of no. just like beauty and, and kind of cleverness. I think you could find a lot of that in New York actually. And I'm, I'm not without options. I guess for me personally, it's a matter of, um, I guess I overthink situations and as much as I love, I thirst for power and I like getting my way and I know how to get it. I kind of fear putting myself in situations with people that I don't know enough about or that I like have to think about more. Like I'm not very airy in that sense. And I, I kind of, that's why people drink. That's why people, you know, that's why people flick their thumbs because they don't have to think that hard about it. They can just look at a picture. And I've uh, resisted the sort of the digital ease of like finding new partners, which maybe I should just get over quickly. Cause it's like, it's not, it's not a problem in person for me, but it's a problem in finding people. So I think my sentiness is like, it is a matter of um, pickiness, but I'm, I'm, but here's the thing. Like, I think if you have a small personality, <laughs> if you're a cool person, if you have a smart fucking noggin and you're like, mm -hmm. I get you know, exactly what you're saying. Yes. You know, if you're, you're just attractive as an individual in your being, I could get with that. I think it's just, um, I create obstacles of knowing of know-how like how do i get there with their parameters like oh what do i gotta i do have to do the thing i like my my issue is just like the i i lack the spontaneity element which it doesn't seem like you lack so i think maybe that's like maybe more of a crux i think at least for myself if i were to try to, to distinguish i think mine is just I'm, I'm constipated if to bring things back to the apple um <laughs> always back always this is where the tri-type is significant yeah, too. Say. Yeah, because yeah. one and four, uh, that's a, you know, 
rigid. It's critical. It's you know, it's also idealistic too. Yeah. As opposed well, to me. No. <laughs> no. Well, I will say that I was I was celibate. I guess you could say um, for about two years from my ex before I met Danny because I became I was like trying to find what I really wanted in a relationship because I realized mm. that I wanted to be with someone and not just have sex and that made me kind of um, refine my standards a bit so I know what you're saying about like kind of vetting someone socially to see if they fit your standards because that's why I was single and wasn't sexually active for a couple of years because I was trying to like be more picky <laughs> yeah I, I think kind of relationship goggles because it's like oh I have everything I want and now I can have more well, don't I want more of this standard of the same? And it's like, no, you can also, you can have meals and you can have snacks. Can- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and desserts. Exactly, exactly. Wanted to talk real quick about, because uh, you guys are both social fives. And one thing that's coming through is that five is somewhat, can be a, a withholding and in some ways antisocial or disconnected type. But at the same time, you guys are social types. Mm-hmm. So, like, how do you go about meeting your social needs as a type who is somewhat separate from other people? Well, for me, it's going to the gym and going to exercise classes because then it's structured. It's only for a certain period of time, and then I can come yep. back home. So, I would agree with that. <laughs> yeah, so I can feel like I'm, you know, part of the group. They're my friends. They're but we don't really do anything beyond exercising together. Mm. So it's modular, sort of. Yeah. And it's on my terms, because I can leave whenever I want. And also on the internet, like having internet friends, internet groups, Facebook, that kind of thing. It's on my terms. I can disconnect whenever I want. There's like that wall there. And so when people reach out to me and say they miss me and they wish we could talk more, that makes me cringe. And I don't like it. (laughs) Because then it makes me feel like they, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't relate to missing. Like, it weirds me out when they say that because I'm like, but. I'm here and we're talking right now. How do you miss me? (laughs) What do you miss? (laughs) Right? Like, what? Are you saying you're not getting enough from me? Like, I feel like you're trying to guilt trip me, but I know that's probably not what they're doing. You're here to hear. Tell your fives you miss them a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So they can delete you from their lives. (laughs) It's like, oh, you're you're wasting my time to tell me you miss me. Thanks. That definitely makes me want to talk to you again. Uh, (laughs) I think... uh, Personally, I've uh, I've created a trick for myself because I don't I don't like going to anything formal. Uh, it's really it really it it takes a lot for me to actually go to things. It's kind of like I have to fall in love with my friends in order to create date scenarios where I just create and I create the environment in which we actually participate in. So I'll do something like, "Hey, let's go to the Bronx Botanical and dose ourselves on a psychedelic, and <laughs> we'll go for a date." Where we'll explore each other, and that will be this like, you know, fiery, consuming way of immersing each other with it, with each, immersing ourselves with each other, and then for anything in the aftermath, digitally or in passing, to kind of be as a matter of like watering, watering the plant, but that that needing never to be like the the thing that satisfies it. Because I I'm not, I can small talk, but I kind of resent it if it's not like funny or really gratifying. And I don't mean that against anyone I actually love, but for people that I actually care about and my, my form, my structure is are are like, uh, there has, they have to orbit a kind of some sort of like a thematic thing that we both are passionate about. And then that draws us both in on a level that isn't just consumed with like a, a sense of the, of idea of other, but it's like, well, we both love this thing. So we'll be with this thing through each other, with each other. And then for everything else that is human, that will come out also. And then for that to come out after, that just makes a lot of sense. But then for when we're hanging out, there's like the structure of what do we love that we both love. And then, of course, we already love each other because we're friends. So that kind of comes out organically. But I think like my, my, my workout class is like the show is the lecture is the let's go to the thing let's do this this thing that we can both orbit and then we orbit each other and then whatever through each other blah blah but that's like my my end because otherwise i am i am no one's i'm nowhere (laughs) i'm no one's friend anymore so there needs to be sort of a concentrated mission or interest yeah Mm -hmm. 
it's at least something to like draw me out of myself because I love people and I understand that, but I kind of need maybe some people actually thirst for human company, but I, I don't. Not you. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and is it a thing that the these shared interests that you want to have a role of expertise in it? Is there something in there for you as a five that you want to have? Um, some level of extra recognized expertise in the things that you're interested in? Well, if it's not something I know about that I'm trying to gain expertise in, I love outsourcing expertise to my friends and I learn from them. So it's kind of this, uh, when you're kind of mining, consensual mining of each other. So if it's hmm. not something that I'm trying to gain interest in, that I'm trying to know more of, or just like feel a native to, I don't know if it's, because I'm trying not to be, I don't, I think, Thinking oneself an expert is, a, you know, it could be very, that's it's a trap unless you really are committed to it. So I try to find things that I could feel more native to, where I feel like, well, at least I don't feel like a fucking outsider. And if at least I'm exploring this thing in a very honest way, then I can, I don't mind guiding my son to want to look into it too. Because because then it's just like, we're both natives here. I think I will show you style. I've seen that in other people and it's very unflattering as a matter of like uh, social, a social technique. So that social outsourcing is why when I start talking about Egypt, you say, be quiet and just keep that to yourself. No, no, I don't. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I feel like she's hiding some things from us about her um, social. No, John, you just, yeah, you know a lot about Egypt. Just uh, fucking keep it to yourself because I'm just, you know, socially outsourcing any knowledge I would want about Egypt. Just keep it in your fucking head. <laughs> no, no, I definitely, I thirst for it. I, I definitely ask for it. No, I'm I'm teasing. Okay. <laughs> I can talk. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> All my humor is indistinguishable from things I just like my tone of voice from the things I say seriously. So your tone of voice doesn't change. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to say that I like it when people ask me or come up to me and want to know something that I'm a so-called expert in, even if it's something that I could always learn more in because we're always learning. But I think the difference. For me, is I have the three fix, so it's the extra competency type, and also wanting recognition and slightly showing off, especially when I'm like at the gym or, or that kind of thing. But yes, I like to be appreciated for the special knowledge that I can contribute to the group. So if you want to hit on a five, ask them about stuff they know. Oh. <laughs> well, thank y'all so much for uh, being on here and. Uh, tolerating our intrusive uh, probing. <laughs> yeah. it's, I mean, I, like, even though I have like a major five wing and I'm five fix and all that, I, I like this has been really illuminating for me too. Yeah, thanks, thank guys. Being, yeah, thank, thank you, you for you. having us on. My body is a cage that keeps me from dancing with the one I Still my heart beats so slow